1: miracles. Let me let me hear some miracles that maybe maybe uh, uh, somebody over here, just what's a miracle in the Bible? Water into wine. All three services. Almost one of the first thing, water into wine. All right. I know what I'm preaching on next series. Come on, amen. I'm like, no, we've heard that one. That's good. That's good. What's another one? Lion's Den. That one's been the last two services. What's another one? What'd you say? Woo! Virgin birth. The blinded eyes open. Fed the five thousand. Fed the thank you, thank you, Michelle. Fed the five thousand is probably the one that I've heard the most. People are like water in the wine is probably top t- two or three, and fed the five thousand. is probably the one I've heard the most. I want to call those mega miracles. Would you say that with me? Mega miracles. It's those things that go boom, pow. You kind of see them, everybody shouts over them, you know, somebody's diagnosed with this and then boom, they don't have it and just, I mean, those kind of those things that happen like this, you know, just instantaneous mega miracles. Well, the mega miracles get a lot of attention, but there's some miracles in the mundane, some miracles that get missed in our lives. And I want to teach you about those miracles for just a little while today, and I hope that it will speak to you as much as it's spoken to me. I believe God wants us all to get this. So we're going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter number 24. The book of Joshua, chapter number 24. Verse number 13. Joshua, chapter 24. We're going to begin reading in verse number 13. Thirteen it reads like this. I gave you land you had not worked for, and I gave you cities you did not build. The cities in which you are now living, I gave you vineyards that you, uh, uh, and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So honor the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River. Serve the Lord alone. In three services, no one has rejoiced over that passage of Scripture. No one has shouted over what that verse says because we've missed the miracle of the moment. And my goal today is to show you the miracle of the moment. I think the verses that we skim over, I want you to listen to me carefully, I think the verses we skim over are full of some of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Those moments that we just read through, we're missing them because they're really the most, they're really, for those people that are living through them, are seeing God's sovereignty, God's goodness, and God's faithfulness. You know, it's like when somebody comes to me and they're a brand new baby Christian, and they say, well, where do I begin reading? I always tell them, start reading in the book of John. And as you start reading in the book of John, it's going to present to you this, this Christ that came as a man so you can get your mind around who he is. But indefinitely, they'll tell me this. They'll say, well, I tried to start in either Genesis or in Matthew. And when they start in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew, if you don't know what you're reading, you miss all these, these powerful miracles because it starts like this. Are you ready for the depth of the spiritualness of how Matthew begins? Are you ready for this? It says, and so-and-so gave birth to so-and-so. And they're wonderful names like, you know what I'm saying? Don't broadcast that. But anyways, all right. (laughs) They're names that are hard to say. And then this one begat this one, and this one begat this one, and this one gave birth to this one, and this one gave birth to this. And, and, and before you're through, you're like, what about? What does this even have to do with my life? But you see, you don't know yet how to find the miracle in that, that story. You're missing it because in that this one gave birth to this one, if you learn to find the miracles in the story, you'll find that that list is a bunch of people that nobody else would have put together for anything good. They're broken, messed up people that made a lot of mistakes that were not perfect. And God puts them together and says, I'll show you, I can use anybody for my glory. In that story, there's a list of women and women weren't even listed in genealogies and they're prostitutes and sexually perverse and not even Jewish people. And they're in the lineage of Christ. What that tells me is that God wants anybody and everybody to be part of his promise. See, there's a miracle behind the scenes. And then, if they didn't begin in Matthew, they begin over in Genesis. Or, or maybe if they're really, really lucky, or, or maybe not so lucky, they just skip to Exodus. Some of you know what I'm talking about. They start reading out of Exodus. Exodus. And they read about these little, uh, what God does is pretty cool, stuff falling out of heaven and bugs and all this. And then they end up with this, God wants you to do this, God wants you to do that. And they end up with all these details that are following the people of Israel through their journey. And it's how God wants this post tied this way with this with a, a brass stake and he wants all this stuff. And, and they miss the moment, they miss the miracle as it were, because they get lost in all of those things. But every one of those things, even, even like that nail that goes in the ground, that nail that goes half way in the ground and halfway out of the ground is symbolizing that the Messiah is going to be buried, but he's then going to raise from the dead. And all of that is a miracle behind all of it. And it's showing us that God's worked out every detail to fulfill his promise. And if God can work out every detail to fulfill his promise for them, don't you understand? God can work out every detail of your life to fulfill his promise for you. Amen. God wants to get in your details. Note to self, that should have been a point of this sermon. God wants to get in your details. Then, if you're really, really lucky, you keep reading and you read Leviticus. Don't you love it? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the law. And you read how God says, do this or do that, and it's about the abuse of an animal. I mean, it's awful. You're going, what in the world? And then you get to like the sanitation laws. Those are rough. I'm supposed to do what? With what? And then we realized that God was working even in those laws that the way that he had his people led, it prevented the plagues that almost wiped out Europe. God was working behind the scenes, doing miraculous things to protect them. God was working. So you've read, listen to this, you've read Genesis, you've read Exodus, you've read Leviticus, you've read Numbers, which is exactly what it is. And then you think, can it get any worse? And then you hit Deuteronomy. Let me just explain Deuteronomy to you Deuteros, Animos, Deuteros second, Animos law, the second time through the law. What it's basically telling you is Moses said, I'm going to remind you of everything I told you in Leviticus and Numbers. Let's do it again. No one shouting. And then you end up in the book of Joshua, and praise God for the book of Joshua, cause those first twelve chapters, oh my God, like oh I can keep going. They are a breath of fresh air. The first twelve chapters of Joshua, there are spies, there are armies. Water's parting. You're like, okay, I can get into this. And and then these walls fall down, and you're like, woo! And then this person steals something, and, and there's this and that. And, and, and it really goes along for the first the, the monotony is gone. And you're like, oh wow, Jericho falling, that's a mega miracle. I get that. And and, and okay, wow, I want to see that happen. And but then all of a sudden, thank God. Chapter 13 comes. Why do I say thank God? Have any of you had Something just fall into the ground around your house lately? I mean, did your neighbor erect something that you're like, "What in the world did they put up?" So you circled it seven times and God opened the earth and sucked it down? <laughs> I don't think so. Thank God for chapter 13. Cuz it brings it back more normal. Listen to chapter 13 verse number 1. I want you to catch this. I think it's so important. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old. <laughs> I mean, you know if God tells you you're old, you're old. Come on now, that's old. <laughs> you are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Wow. So God comes to him and says, Joshua, you don't have a lot of time left. You're almost done. But you got a lot of work left. So Joshua has to shift gears. And as he shifts gears, all of a sudden he has to stop being the conquering general and he becomes, watch this, he becomes an administrator. And for the next nine chapters, wow. We go from spies and armies and miracles to survey equipment, land tests, Boundary markings. Nobody's shouting yet. We we go to this moment. Now you're going, Pastor Don. What does this have to do with my life? I want you to get this. What it has to do with your life is you see the parts of the book Matthew. Let me just read you what Matthew Henry said. I think this is this is powerful. This is what Matthew Henry, the famous uh, theologian, said. He said, "We are not to skip over these chapters of hard names and useless as useless and not to be regarded." For where God has a mouth to speak and a hand to write, we should find an ear to hear and an eye to read, and God will give us a heart to profit. Because I want you to understand, the part that we find the most boring is actually the most exciting for the people who were living the story. Just look at this nine chapters. The chapters that says that the tribe of Naphtali shall inherit from the boundary of to to whatever from the mountain of so-and-so to the stream of so-and-so. And then you have to go to Asher and Dan, and then you, I mean, you have to keep going. And as you read it over and over again, you're going, what in the world does that have to do with anything important for me? But what you're missing is you're missing that what they're doing at this moment is one of the most important things in the Scripture for them because five hundred years plus before they had received a promise. And now all of a sudden after 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, several years of trying to take the land now, finally they are there. And all of a sudden Joshua says, I've got, I'm going to die and I need to give you possession of God's promise for your life. And can you imagine you've never had a home. You've always wanted to have your own home. And it's been 40 years of your life trying to Get your own home. Can you imagine how you will feel the day you walk across the threshold and it's yours? Or what about the day that you pay the last payment on a 30-year mortgage? Can I get an amen from anybody? It's yours. It's now your place. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in this story, all that is happening that we go, what in the world? That's boring. We're not shouting because we're missing the miracle. They saw the miracle. I thought it would never happen. I thought God would never bring this about. But look what God has done. Why is this important for us? And I'm going to show you some more in just a moment. But why is this important for us? It's important for us because if God started a promise in your life, God's going to bring it to fulfillment in your life. Nothing can stop what God has begun. You need to understand who God is and how good he is. How I many you know how good God is? Amen. Come on, give him some praise. You see, the part that we skim over is what gives God the most glory. God had told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land 500 years later. They're giving the land. And we see that God has done some amazing things. And I I think that what it tells us is that God says nothing's insignificant. The reason I'm telling you about the little details is that every little detail of your life, remember, you need to let God in the details of your life. My guess is that we've been looking for supernatural things in our lives, but we miss this truth that there's no miracle too big for God, but there's also no miracle too small for God. I'll never forget, I was a young boy, and, and, and there was an elderly lady in our church. She she was crippled from polio, so she couldn't do her own yard work. So if you were lucky enough, you you all she chose you to come do the yard work, and you'd pull weeds. And, and, and it usually was much more of a fun experience than a work experience, and she paid you great. And so it was really, really awesome. And to top it off, she was a phenomenal cook. So just as you got started, she'd call you in for lunch, and you'd enjoy a wonderful lunch. And then she'd look at you, and she'd say this. She'd say, well, we need to go to the hardware store and we can find uh, what we need for what you're doing today. So you get in her van. She had a van and we drive to the store. And as we're going to the store, I knew what she was going to do every time we would pull in. And she'd say, now, Don, start praying. I said, what do you want to pray for? She said, you need to pray that God's going to give us a front parking spot. He knows I can't walk. And I'd start praying and I'll never forget all the days of my life watching as we'd pray, pull into that parking lot. And it was like people ran to their cars to move them for her. And we'd pull into that front parking spot. And she'd look at me and say, look what God has done for us. Now, I tell you that simple story to tell you, to remind you. I don't know what the little detailed things of your lives are, but my God can meet the little details. My God can meet you right where you are. He's concerned about what's bothering you. He's concerned about what you're carrying on your shoulders. He's concerned with what you can't fix. God wants to get in the details of your life. There's all kinds of miracles that you miss in those nine chapters. Can I tell you one of my favorite out of there? They established in those nine chapters these places called the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge were a gift from God to people who had committed manslaughter. Okay so what i mean by that is if you would unintentionally killed someone under the law it was eye for an eye tooth for a tooth so if you killed someone their family had the right to kill you and and if it wasn't intentional if you unintentionally like let's just say that you had an ox that you knew was was rowdy and could cause problems and you, you need to go uh, you need to go to the field and plow the field but you take this ox that, that has already been mean and it all of a sudden it runs over somebody and kills them and and you now are guilty they have the right to kill you the their family hunts you down and kills you. So God says, when that happens, because of the law, I'm going to establish cities called cities of refuge. And you have to run there all the way there. So it's in these nine chapters that those cities of refuge are given place. Now, here's what we see about these cities of refuge that really blessed me because the miracle can be found in these cities of refuge. And I want you to catch this. Here's what God says. They have to be close enough for everybody to be able to get to them. And not only do they have to be close enough, but when there's a crossroads, anywhere there's a crossroads in the land, you have to put up a sign that tells you how to get to the city of refuge. And the road that leads to the city of refuge has to be clear. It has to be clean. It has to be the best kept road in the area because I'm going to put this city of refuge there for those who need a place to run to because they're guilty of something they can't take care of on their own. And here's something the Bible doesn't tell us, but Jewish tradition tells us that they posted people along the road to the city of refuge so that when somebody found it at the crossroads and was running for their life to the city of refuge, there was somebody who would run with them and encourage them and lead them and point them to the right direction. Now look, you may not have noticed that when you just read about these horrible names of the city of refuge, but that's a miracle that you missed in the mundane facts of the moment. And I want you to get this, that God God was really preaching the gospel to you, even in the boring chapters of Joshua. And what I mean by that is when you come to a crossroads in your life, there is a sign that stands at the crossroads called the cross. And it's pointing toward the city of hope that is called Christ. And he sent you and I to run with people to help them get there so that when they get there, they can be free from the curse of sin and death on their life. Amen. How powerful. The next miracle that we see is that as they're giving to all these different tribes and two to Ephraim and Manasseh and all all these different tribes are getting their portions on one side of the river or the other side of the river. There's one tribe that gets nothing. Does anybody know what tribe that is? Levi. Levi is awarded no inheritance. Why? Because the Bible says that the inheritance of Levi is the Lord. But Moses gave no land to the tribe of Levi, for the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised to be their inheritance. I want you to get this. Why is that a miracle that we miss? Here's what we understand. That God was working even in how he placed the Levites. It's so important for us because here was the rule. Everywhere there was a certain group of people, a Levite had to be given a place to live. A Levite had to be given a city. Levites had to be given these spaces because, watch this, in the time of the distribution of the land, no one could live more than 10 miles from a Levite. What does that have to do with anything? Thank you for all having that look on your face right now. (laughs) What God was saying is you're going to need me and I won't let you be away from where my representative is. I'm going to set up in your life so there's always a beacon of hope. As I'm preaching to you here and I'm preaching to some that are watching and some that are listening, I want you to get what I'm saying right now. I believe God has set up in your life beacons of hope that you can't outrun. He's put neighbors and friends and people in your life to speak truth into you. God's been doing the same thing for you. And when you gave up on yourself, God had a beacon of hope just around the corner who didn't, who never gave up on you and told you about what Christ could do. The other beauty of that moment is this. Not only did they not inherit land for themselves, but the Bible says that they had an inheritance of the Lord. And what that means is they were the only ones able to go into the holy place with God. This is important. Why? It's important because some of them wanted an inheritance and they weren't thankful for what they had. And they were willing to give up the presence of God for what they wanted. There's a miracle there. Never trade God. For what you can achieve and accomplish in this world. The greatest treasure you have is the Spirit of God in your lives. It will rescue you. It will save you. When the world says 53% of marriages end in divorce, statistics tell us that people who pray together put God in the center of their home that it's only one out of 1,105 that will end in divorce. You should never trade anything for the presence of God. The presence of God is what will keep you. The presence of God is what you need when your baby's got a fever in the middle of the night and you can't reach anybody to find out what to do. You get a hold of God and God shows up and God begins to move for you. The presence of God is what we must have. Let me hurry and give you this quickly. The next miracle that I saw there was what happened for Joshua himself. And Joshua was very particular about this. God said, I'm going to give you your own city, your own lands." And Joshua marked those all down with monuments and pillars on on corners. He marked his territory. Why? Why did he make a marking, a memory? He wrote it down. Why did he do that? Because he wanted his his descendants to be able to know what God had done. It's important for you, and I'm going to show you in just a moment, To keep a remembrance of what God has done. To never forget what you felt when God saved you. To never forget... You know, when our church is facing one of the biggest advancements of our church, sometimes that can get kind of daunting. I can get, you know, a little weary of trying to figure that out and trying to see what it's going to cost and all those kind of things. And God's going to do it. And God, God's moved tremendously. As a matter of fact, down at our South Campus and their building program this last week, uh, somebody walked in and said, oh, you need your building plans, which are about $50,000. They walked in and threw them on the desk and said, there you go. Then somebody walked in and said, oh, you need plumbing? We're just going to donate all your plumbing for you. So, so what I have to remember is that God's already working. God's already doing something. God's already moved. Are you, I understand what I'm saying. God's already in the middle of something. And I have to remember what God... Sometimes I pull out my own books and read them. I know that sounds crazy, but I'll pull out my own book and go... Oh, oh, I forgot about what God did right there. I forgot how when it seemed like when the crash happened and it seemed like our church wasn't going to uh, be able to uh, keep moving forward in missions the way we wanted to. We were having to scale back on every side that God spoke and, and God provided through somebody that didn't even come to church here a, a miracle that we were able, it was hard work, but we were able to go and get it done and God provided for us. And I remember what God has done. Listen to me today. You need to remember what God's done in your life because when you remember what God's done, it will help you you understand that you are not too far now for God to move for you again. Let me just give you this last thing and then I'll I'll close. Here we see this. We see that, that in verse 2, he, that Joshua begins this diatribe, as it were, and he says, look, God made the promise to Abraham. God did this. God did that. And he brings it all the way down through what God did in Egypt and how God brought through the Red Sea and how God brought them uh, past Balak and his curses and how God crossed the river and, and, and what God did at Jericho. And he brings it all the way to where they are. He brings it all the way up to where they are. And I love this. Love this story. Here's the most beautiful miracle in this moment. Verse number 13 says this. Verse number 13 says, I gave you land you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build. So you didn't shout over these earlier. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food that you did not plant them. Watch this. So honor the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and I'm going to stop here for just a moment, serve the Lord alone. Probably the greatest miracle of these nine chapters. Are you ready for this? Here's what he said. He said, you're living in a house you didn't pay for. You're eating food you didn't buy. Let me just interpret that for you. You didn't get what you deserved. You did not get what you deserved. He said, I gave you something because I love you. I blessed you because... Not for what you have done, but simply because of who you are. That's a miracle to me. Because what you're looking at right now is a man who didn't get what he deserved. My faults and my failures, they scream at me. But there is a voice that screams louder and it's called grace. It's called the favor of God, the love of God. And what the word teaches us is that we live in places we don't deserve to live and we are blessed in ways we don't deserve to be blessed all because of Jesus Christ who said, you didn't get what you deserved, you got what I gave you and what I give you is what Jesus deserves. And that blesses me. Let me give you this last word. The Bible says that they gathered all of them together. Joshua brought them together. And as Joshua brought them all together. I want you to understand where it says he brought them. The Bible says that he gathered the people of Israel together into a land called Shechem. Would you say that word with me? Shechem. Now why is this even important? This is a miracle that gets missed. You have to understand there was this man, and we see this, uh, then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. All the elders, all the leaders. What does that have to do with anything? Well, there's this guy named Abraham. He left this place called Ur. The Bible says he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was the Lord, and he arrives in this place called Shechem, interestingly enough. And in Shechem, watch this, God says, I'll give you this land. Five centuries later, watch this Joshua brings the people to Shechem. Let's back up a little bit. God promised it at Shechem, that was to the grandfather. To the grandson, Jacob, he came to Shechem, put away his false gods and reestablished the covenant of what God's promise was at Shechem. 500 plus years, maybe 100 years later, and all of a sudden, 500 plus years, God brings them back to Shechem. What does that have to do with anything? God did what He said He was going to do. There had been lots of ups and downs, lots of changes, Slavery, battles, bondages, failures, struggles, All kind of things had happened all along the way, but God spoke it, God recommitted it to them, and God brought it about. Why? Because God never fails in his promises. I don't know how you failed, where your struggles are, what your problems are, but you mark my word because it's God's word. He cannot change. He is not a man that he might lie. He is the God who fulfills his word, and if God told you in a promise, you better recommit to that promise because my God is working in your life behind the scenes to move you to the fulfillment of his promise for your life. Amen. Amen. Not, only will it, not only will it bless you, but it'll bless others. God promised Abraham. God recommitted to Jacob. God brought Joshua, gave them their promise there. But 2,000 years later, Jesus walked up to Shechem And a woman came to a well and he said, I am the living water. Where you're blessed, God wants to use it to bless somebody else when you realize what God has done. You didn't do it, God did it. You're sitting in a place that we didn't do, God did. God works all things for our good. Stand with me if you would today. I love the way this verse ends. These verses you don't even study because they're so boring. It comes down to the end. But he said, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Starting to recognize it now? Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the river Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you know? But this is the verse everybody has around their homes. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We run right into God's promises. This verse that is so powerful didn't come from a mega miracle. It came from missed miracles. And he said, you can do what you want to do, but look what all God has done. I'm going to serve the God who can do all that he's done. That's my invitation to you today. I want you to get this and I want you to understand this quickly. You remember what I told you about the city of refuge. They had a clear path, signs pointing the way, people running with them. But when they got into the city, they had to stay there until the high priest died. And when the high priest died, wasn't it awful if you you had a young high priest? You'd be there the rest of your life. But once the high priest died, you were free to go and live. Watch this. There's a sign at the crossroads of your life called Calvary. There's a road. Where the Bible says that whosoever would confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in their heart that he is Lord and confess that God raised him from the dead, you would be born again. That path is clear. There's a clear path. Not only is there a clear path, but we're here to run with you today. Not only are we running with you, but here's the good news. The high priest has already died. So once you get there to him, you're free. You're free to live.
0: That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with him all over again and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the Church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8:15, 9:30 and 11 a.m. where you will find real love now.